We read in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, it says there, And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. They have the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. My, my prayer this morning, my ardent hope, is that as we trace the reason why it is we believe on the Son of God, that it would comfort you and cause you to rejoice, to not take it lightly <laughs> that this book is open to you. You know, we, we heard our Lord saying, as our brother read there in John chapter 15, you'll turn there with me, John chapter 15, it says there in verse 5, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. You can take that as far in your mind as you can go. That's talking about everything physically and everything spiritually. Uh, Paul preaches there in Acts chapter 17. If memory doesn't fail me, he tells us there, in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own prophets, poets have said, we are also his, his offspring. Well, every man and woman is his, is his creature, but not every man and woman is his child. Um, did we not just hear our Lord and God say, he who hates me hates the Father that sent me? Did we not just read that? John chapter 15, verse 23. He that hateth me hateth my Father also. The testimony of Jesus Christ. What a miracle that we believe on the Son of God. Uh, look what it says in first, or rather second John. Second John. Second John. says there in second John, the second epistle of John, it says there in verse 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ. Notice that's singular. It's not plural. Doctrines is singular. And the doctrine and the teaching of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Have you ever heard someone ask this silly question? They make light of it. They think it's funny. Um, a friend of mine was, was at a conference, a grace conference, and there was a visitor there, a visiting minister, and he leaned forward into a group of huddled uh, pastors, and he asked them, in these parts, are you guys uh, four-pointers or five-pointers? thought it was funny. And uh, my friend and faithful minister of the gospel said, we're one point. Christ. You preach Christ and Him crucified. And He'll bless the clean water of the gospel of His Son with His Spirit. And He'll quicken men and women who were in one moment dead in trespasses and in sins. And the next moment, given new life, born from above, that they might hear the gospel, might believe on God's Son. 
I'm going to just review um, something that's been given the acrostic tulip. We all know it. But I'd like to set it forth before you so that you might consider that this is the doctrine of Christ. This is not uh, some theological system that we're supposed to argue about. This is just by God's undeserved grace, we have the testimony of Jesus Christ. By God's undeserved grace and mercy to us, we see and hear the Son of God. Uh, you know, that, that T, it, it stands for a total depravity. Uh, what's that mean? It's talking about the complete, wicked, and utter inability of man to believe on the true and living God, to believe on the Son of God. It speaks about the how that each and every one of us come forth from our mother's womb dead in trespasses and sins. Uh, we read in Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll just limit these verses to just one verse. I mean... The Lord said it better than this verse does. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Total depravity, total inability. And the Apostle Paul writes in, in Ephesians 2, verse 1, And you hath he quickened, you hath he made alive, you has, hath God uh, birthed from above, you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. There was a time, beloved, when we held our fist high to the heavens, saying, No, God, being angry and wroth, unjustly so, with the God who made us. But God, verse 5, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And he repeats it again in that passage. Total depravity. Just contrast Genesis 6, 5. says the thoughts of man was only of evil and wickedness continually. And what a glorious uh, contrast <laughs> that the Son of God said, the Father's never left me, for I do always those things that please him. John eight twenty eight, if I'm not mistaken. So that's total depravity. Left to ourselves, we would only choose a false God and a false Christ. Is there hope for a man who's almost 70 years old and written almost over 50 books, and, and every one of those books pens that Jesus Christ is a failure, that he did not give his life a ransom for particular sinners? Well, I'd have much more hope for a drunkard in a bar than I would for a man like that. But nevertheless, uh, the man's still walking the earth. Uh, I'm not sitting on that judgment seat. He is. But beloved, what uh, what solemn words do we read in 2 Corinthians, rather 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, the Apostle Paul says there in verse 
First, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19, he says, there must be also heresies among you, uh, division among you, that it may be, that, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. And we just read the only ones who are approved are those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. We hear him, beloved. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. He does not offer us eternal life. Powerfully, gloriously, he gives life to undeserving, damned, dirty sinners like you and me. <laughs> and we keep on believing him by God's grace. Total depravity. Uh, the next letter in that acrostic, and this was... Uh, this is not Calvin's doctrine. This is the doctrine of Christ. And this is just five points. We can go much further. But the next letter is uh, U. Um, unconditional uh, election. If you look at... Uh, there's so many places we could start. We've already quoted Ephesians 2.8. How that by grace we are saved through faith. They didn't quote it, but I made uh, I made reference to it. Uh, Ephesians two eight says, "By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast." It's not conditioned. Salvation is not conditioned in the creature. It's condition, conditioned in the sovereign will of God Almighty. He said to Moses when Moses begged him, "Show me your glory." He said, "I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy." And I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. And not only do we read it in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 there, we, we read it in Titus, Titus chapter 3, and verse 5. It says there, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Unconditional election. And uh, we were reminded of it again in, in that portion that our brother read. John 15 says there in verse 16, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. T, U, what's the next one? It's L, is it not? Limited atonement. Particular redemption. For whom did Christ die? Well, we have the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. By God's grace, we hear him and we love his words. We love what he said in his great priestly prayer for his people. He prays there in uh, chapter 17 of John. He said, the father, father, the hours come glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh. How come that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him? Not one less and not one more as many as thou hast given him. Verse 9, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou give, hast given me, for they are thine. What good news. The Lord Jesus Christ gave his life a ransom for the sheep. You see, beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ died for the sins of all men. All men. All men without distinction. Not, not all men without exception. All men without distinction. What, what do I mean? 
Jew and Gentile, rich and poor, American and Mexican, Japanese and Chinese, on on and on. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, and I believe I'm looking at some whosoever's here (laughs) this morning in this auditorium, that whosoever believeth on the Son of God should not perish but have everlasting life. Limited atonement. It's very simple. It means not all, but many. Many. He tells us that in Isaiah chapter 53 in the Old Testament. I'm so glad it doesn't say a few. Aren't you? Isaiah 53 There in verse 11, it says, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And not once, but two times in the New Testament, the Gospels, the Son of God declares that he did not come into the world to be served or, or to be ministered to, but to minister he came to minister. He came to serve. And what did he say? To give his life a ransom for many. A many. And we could go on and on uh, how that in this fallen world, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life a ransom for many people in this world. And he's going to save every single one of them. Every single one of the people that the Father gave him in covenant of grace, he'll not lose one. He said, this is the Father's will, he who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I shall lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. And he repeats the same thing in John's Gospel, chapter 17. And we need to be clear on this. The Lord Jesus Christ did not go to the cross of Calvary for Judas Iscariot. He did not pray for him. He did not so much as shed one precious drop of his blood for him. And in John's Gospel, chapter 17, it says there, ever so blessedly, we hear him on on the earth, on, on the cross of Calvary, saying, it is finished. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he says the same thing. It says here, uh, in his great priestly prayer, in, in John 17, it says here in verse... For I have glorified thee on the earth, Father. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And he says there in verse, let's see if I can find it here. I find when I'm in a, in a situation like this, <laughs> there's a bit of humility, but the blessing is perhaps the Lord will uh, hide that verse in my in my heart and mind next time. <laughs> oh, yes, verse 12. While I, was, while I was with them in the world... I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost. 
but the son of perdition, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And then later on, he says here in verse uh, verse 20. Now in verse 9, he's praying for the disciples. And we might have a moment of, of reverent fear. What, what about me, Lord? <laughs> Did you pray for me? Verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their words. Total depravity, unconditional election, particular redemption, or as it's in the acrostic, the letter L, limited atonement, and then uh, irresistible grace. What what verse leaps to your heart and mind immediately? Uh, we can think of many things when the Lord said, uh, I believe it's in... John chapter 6, yes it is, verse 37, you talk about uh, irresistible grace. All that the Father giveth to me, (laughs) all, not some, not a few, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. (laughs) Sinner, have you come to him? What does that mean? Do you know what it means to come to him? It means you are believing on him right now at this very moment for all your salvation. Uh, the uh, King James renders John 3.16 like this, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him, uh, we can rightly render that word, whosoever is believing in him right now. We're believing on him right now for all our salvation. Irresistible grace. You, you want another uh, verse? <laughs> so wonderful. Second uh, Timothy. Second Timothy says there in verse uh, chapter one. Second Timothy chapter one. It says here. Speaking of the gospel according to the power of God, verse 9, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling. <laughs> you don't want to know what a holy calling is? It's an irresistible call. It's a triumphant, never failing call. He's called us, beloved, but when did he save us? He saved us before the foundation of the world. We read that in Ephesians chapter 1, and we are going to read that, that, same, that same glorious truth right here. <laughs> God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, this uh, man who wrote these 50 books where he says, uh, I'm a four-pointer. I don't believe Christ has died for his his particular people. This is what this man believes. What would I say to such a man? I would tell him to repent towards God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ if God would grant him to do that. No man, no woman can believe on the Son of God except they be born from above. 
It is an almighty, powerful work that's wrought in the heart. And if you believe the gospel in your mind sincerely, the only reason why you believe it sincerely in your mind is because you have an opened heart that he opened. You didn't open that heart. He opened it. I would tell that man, repent towards God and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because it would seem to me, sir, that you've not heard his voice or seen his shape. Not one time. Second uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, rather 25, it defines repentance this way. In meekness, and I would be speaking to this man in meekness, knowing exactly where I am. I'm in the dust. I have no right to look down my nose at anybody. I only hear him by the miracle of the new birth. That because if I'm not self-deceived, I truly am one of his jewels, one of the objects of his grace, one of the objects of, of his everlasting love. This is what it says in Second Timothy 2, verse 25. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And in Ephesians 4.21 it says, as the truth is in Jesus. Okay, if that's what repentance does, what does faith do? Well, faith does the same thing. It says in Titus 1.1, it says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible, holy grace calling. Irresistible, irresistible grace. Irresistible grace. And then the last one is the, uh, I believe it, that P stands for perseverance of the saints, if I'm not mistaken. Well, let me tell you exactly why it is we persevere, beloved. Um, there's lots of different verses, but our time is short. I'll just give you one verse. Uh, maybe while I'm giving you that verse, I'll think of another. <laughs> But look what it says in 1 Peter. Now, 1 Peter is addressing the elect of God. It says right at the beginning of, the, of that epistle, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. This is written to elect sinners who believe on God's Son by God's grace by God's grace and mercy and power. And it says in verse 5, speaking to the elect of God, how that, beloved, we are kept by the power of God through faith. Now, you can put a capital F on that F if you'd like, because that's speaking about the faithfulness of God's well-pleasing Son. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What good news. What glorious good news. We read here that it's a ready salvation, beloved. That everything you need to be brought into the very presence of your Lord and God, Jesus Christ, He accomplished for you. It's already done. Full and complete pardon of all your sins and a righteousness you have nothing whatsoever to do with. What good news for undeserving sinners. Well, certainly for what good news for this undeserving sinner behind the pulpit. And what good news for the undeserving sinner in the pew. Christ is all. 
He's all our salvation, beloved. Uh, aren't you glad that uh, when somebody goes, oh, you're a Calvinist? You can just say, no, I'm not a, I'm not a Calvinist. Uh, I know what you mean by that. No, I'm, I'm just a sinner, undeservedly saved by God's grace, and I hear the voice of my Lord and my God. <laughs> you can take all those letters in the acrostic of TULIP and you can quote Christ for every single one of them. Total depravity. Without me, you can do nothing. Unconditional election. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you for my own glory, for my own reasons. Uh, particular redemption. Uh, I give my life for the sheep. <laughs> Irresistible grace. All that the Father give to me shall come to me. And all who come to me, I'll no wise cast out. Uh, perseverance of the saints. Can you think of something that the Lord said to you, beloved? <laughs> Can you? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. How come? Because <laughs> he's the author and finisher of our faith. Because he's the Alpha and Omega of all our salvation. What good news. And, and guess what? We're going to get to repeat it again <laughs> in the main service, aren't we? I'm so thankful for God's well-pleasing Son that He works a miracle in our hearts that we might have this book open to us and that we might give attendance to the preaching of the gospel and, and be, be comforted as He comforts our hearts. Um, you know, I pray that after this message is concluded, that this last verse I'll quote, and then I'll have uh, Tyler conclude our time together in a word of prayer. In Isaiah 26, wouldn't that be glorious? <laughs> wouldn't that be wonderful? That every soul in this auditorium, that this could be said of every soul in the auditorium right now. It says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Perfect peace, Gary. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Amen.